Two English Majors Walk Into a Bar is created by immature adults for other immature adults. Listen at your own discretion. Welcome to Two English Majors Walk Into a Bar, a literary comedy podcast. I'm Kathleen Brumbach. And I'm Christian Lutz. I would definitely do opium with Oscar Wilde. I would get arrested with Oscar Wilde. <laughs> Worth it. People used to tell me I talked about books too much. And now you drink about books. <laughs> Isn't it time to get lit? Let's get lit. I took a drink of Malort earlier, <laughs> and I swear to God, I feel better. Yeah. I Malort cures all. Malort cures all. And I'm drinking it. Okay, so first of all, everybody, Christian got me a bottle of Malort all the way from Chicago to New York City. She has infected New York City with Malort. Yes. Yes. And then she got me this beautiful uh, wine glass that says, not a frabjous day. Two English majors walk into a bar. I think it's important. (laughs) It is. It's so important. Yes. Thank you, Christian. As I take a a shot to, I don't have a shot glass. I had to put it in here. (laughs) So next, not a frabjous day, shot glasses. Yes, queen. (laughs) Who are we? (laughs) The two English majors. Walk into, a walk into a bar. Oh no! Oh no! Is... Okay, edit that out. Let's do it again. <laughs> no, we're keeping it in. <laughs> we're definitely keeping it in. Zoom. Okay, even Zoom knows. Yeah, we can't do it. It's like no, no, no. Stop trying. Okay, <laughs> two English majors walk into a bar. A literary comedy podcast. Yes, Yay! we did it. Someday yes. we'll get it right. Someday, but not soon. No, at our live shows, we do it at the same time and it's perfect. We do. We do. It, just come to our live shows. Then you can see us do it correctly. Yeah, that's the only time. Yes. So. And there are plenty of shots of Malort happening mm-hmm. at our live shows. What are we going to do when we do a live show in New York? I'm going to have to bring my bottle. But are you allowed? We'll have to make sure we're allowed. Who? Christian. The Malort police. Christian. This is not Chicago. Who's going to stop us? <laughs> Who's going to see a bottle of Malort? You're going to pull some shot glasses out of your pockets. (laughs) Yeah. We're going to be like, okay, if you can keep your shit together after taking a shot of this, we will give you the bottle. But until then. Then you can torture all your friends. Yeah. Until then, we keep our Malort. We keep it with us. Yeah. It doesn't count as alcohol because it's, it's liquid demon spawn. I mean- Yes. Yes, it yeah. is. It's it's so disgusting. heinous that <laughs> it's Kathleen is sipping on it. <laughs> yes. I got I poured like a little bit into a glass. It's a little bit more than a shot. <laughs> that kind of day. Yeah. It needed to be um disinfected. I do. I okay, I felt like shit today. I have a cold sore, everybody. I have a cold sore that should have its own zip code. It's so big on my mm. lip right now. And I'm taking a shot of Malort. I feel better. I feel better on the inside. I feel better on the outside. It's a cure-all. It is. It sanitizes the inside of your body. (laughs) Not scientifically proven, but we'll go with it. (laughs) I told Christian a few days ago, she was like, I don't feel well. And I'm like, will you sanitize the inside of your body with some alert? And it's biological warfare because the germs realize that you are ingesting malort and they realize how toxic it is to the human body. And they're mm-hmm. like, oh, no. Oh, we no. don't want this. This. Is, this isn't a safe place anymore. 
and the germs leave your body. Osmosis Jones would be an entirely different movie if Malort were involved. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All the germs leave your body once Malort enters your body. They've realized that you've reached the breaking point and you've told them, fuck around and find out. Mm-hmm. Fuck around and find out. I will take this whole thing down. For anyone who's never tried Malort, come to a Chicago bar, order a Chicago handshake. You'll get an old style and a shot of Malort. Yes. Yes. Both equally disgusting. I don't know. Malort's pretty disgusting. It might out like outrank old, old style. style. Okay, yeah. Christian, do we have to tell them about, I mean, most of our listeners probably already know, but uh, like huge update, friendship update for the podcast. Okay, so last time when we recorded in December, Kathleen- No, we recorded in November. What? No, we did record in December. It was early yes. December. Never mind. Yes, we <laughs> recorded in December. We celebrated Christian's birthday early as she turned 35, like she does every year. And on my 35th birthday this year, I bought a house. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, not only that, but also, uh, well, it wasn't actually- Best birthday ever, honestly. On your birthday. It wasn't actually on your birthday. It was my birthday, birthday you weekend. Yes. Birthday yeah. My weekend. house was finalized on my birthday, which was pretty cool. Oh, it was? Yeah. I thought, okay. I, like This is January 2nd when we record this. I thought it was like two days ago, but that was- Oh, no. That was like we closed on that day, but like the appraisal and everything came through and I found out I was for sure getting the house on my birthday. Pretty cool. Awesome. But before that, Kathleen was keeping a very naughty little secret for so <laughs> long. I was impressed. I was genuinely impressed. Yes. So myself- and our friend Jill and our friend Frankie, friends of the podcast, surprised Christian for her birthday. We flew into Chicago and we showed up and Christian did not even shit her pants. <laughs> I almost did. <laughs> it was great, though. And I was like genuinely impressed because you all like texted me because I text these guys all the time, like all the time. So both. Jill and Frankie and Kathleen, I think all three of you texted me that day enough that I was like, oh, there's no way. Like Moobs kept asking me, like, what do you think your surprise is? Like, we're going to have six people here tonight. And I was like, oh, well, it, I would say maybe like Jill and Kathleen or one of them is coming. But then they both texted me. So, no, it's probably like my sister or something. We were very <laughs> good at keeping secrets. Mm -hmm. Yes, we had a whole weekend planned. We had, it, it was, it was a monumental effort that we were all so stoked about to surprise you. Yeah. <laughs> and we were all so happy. And I was just so excited to have like a, a weekend of debauchery. Yes. It was a wonderful weekend of debauchery. Honestly. It was. We went to Drunk Shakespeare. Which was phenomenal. Yes. Christian. I chugged a beer through a straw. <laughs> Christian <laughs> chugged an old style through a straw. And. Yes, it, it was like right in line with what we do here on the podcast and the whole show that they have over at Drunk Shakespeare. It was perfect. Uh, then we got Taco Bell. Yeah, Mubarak gave us money for like a nice dinner, but we got Taco Bell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because we're trash. And so, yeah, and then we had donuts. We had more drinks. And then, then we reached the, the night, uh, the part of the night where Kathleen was so tired. Mm -hmm. But she wouldn't go home. We asked. She was like, nope, I'm staying out. No, you, everybody kept rallying. Everybody kept yeah. rallying. It was and, unexpected. Yeah. And then when we got home, I I was 
by the time we got back to your place, I was not even drunk anymore. I was hallucinating. And, and then I- moves kept giving you blankets. <laughs> <laughs> yes. He's like, you I- only gave her one. She needs extra. No. <laughs> He just kept coming in. I I was not fighting it. I was just, I was in like Shavasana. I had released my whole body to the air mattress. I, I released my whole body and soul to that air mattress. And, and I was so deceived. Everybody else was like, we're getting pizza. And I was like, I I'm partially deceased. I will see you tomorrow morning. (laughs) And then in true Kathleen fashion, I was like up at 7 a.m. And I left Christian's apartment. Yeah. (laughs) And and I realized as I was leaving, I was like, oh, I'm not going to be able to get back in because I didn't understand how your keys worked. (laughs) (laughs) And so I was like, that's okay. I'll go for a walk. And I went for a walk in the cold and it was so like good. And I was like, I'm so healthy. It's okay because we made up for it later with pasta bowl. <laughs> we did. We did. We and all we of the ruined. things at the Christmas market. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh my goodness. It was it it wasn't even my birthday. And it was the best birthday for me ever. <laughs> That's how much I enjoyed being in Chicago with you guys. It was great. It was a lot of fun. Definitely yes. best birthday. But yes, other than uh drunken Chicago debauchery, what we do here on the podcast is we read through a Wikipedia page of a piece of literature Mm -hmm. and we get drunk while we read it. And this month we have two parts. This is our first month with two episodes. Yes. Very exciting. You get to hear us twice in one month. Two excuses to drink. Yes. Two excuses to drink a month. Yeah. 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 Always a good opportunity. Never turn it down. It's it's a, it's a drink or two. (laughs) It's a drink or two. Yes. It's a drink or two. In case you need um, an extra one, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, because I'm I, I'm basic and and dumb, and <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what am I gonna do in Jan? Like, what should I do in January? What is fitting for 2024? And I decided on The Winter's Tale by William Shakespeare. Ooh. <laughs> yep, air horns. That's right. You heard that. That right? was beautiful. Thank you. So. <laughs> We're going to read the Wikipedia for The Winter's Tale. And until like today, I was today years old, I've been calling it A Winter's Tale. I always called it A Winter's Tale too. Yeah, I think it's a Mandela effect thing. But Hmm. it is in fact called The Winter's Tale. And I actually have a really good 30 second summary for this one. Okay. A guy goes out of his way to overreact and pays the price for it. Yeah. I like it. Not that we've ever overreact. Well, actually, Christian does not overreact. I, yes, I overreact do. about everything. <laughs> no, you don't. Like you, you are like very even keel with stuff and like very rational. I am just like I am the Polixen. <laughs> like I talk shit about Polixenes in like about this play, but like that is me as a character. Like if I was any Shakespeare character, other than well, That's okay, who you would no. be. Honestly, if I was any Shakespeare character, I would be one of like the fool characters. That's most in line with my personality. But if we're going to be honest, I overreact on a Polixenes level. <laughs> so yeah, we're, we're going to get into it, everybody. We're going to get into it. And let's see, drinking game for the winter's tale. Um, Drink 
every time Kathleen has to explain something about how to say a character's name. <laughs> we're going to get okay, this will be this will be good. Yeah, we're going to get into it because I don't know if everybody else is following along on the Wikipedia page like we are. But these <laughs> names out of all of Shakespeare's plays, this play is like you can't pronounce anybody's name. No, like I, I don't know if he was like, you know what? We're going to really throw him a curveball with this one. It's, it's I can pronounce like two of the names. Which of these names? Hermione. Everyone knows okay, that. Okay, yes, yes. And Dion. But what if it's Dion? I don't know. And then also Perdita. Thank you. I've been movies. saying Perdita, though. Oh, I, I just assumed Dalmatians. Perdita. You know? Oh, that's right. Dalmatians. <laughs> I've been saying I could Perdita. be completely wrong. And there's, is it Paulina or Paulina? I say Paulina. <laughs> I say plant because that's I, okay. because the street in Chicago. That's true. I didn't even think of that. The Polina <laughs> stop on the brown line. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Okay. So like we have a few, we have a few that we can pronounce. Yeah. There's a few. And like, okay, everybody, we're all going to hold hands together. Let us <laughs> hold hands and pray because it is pronounced in my opinion as an English major. Polixeny. The main character, well, one of the main characters of this play is Polixeny. I know it sounds like a disease, but we There's all have a video to hold- on YouTube on how to say it. And what did those fuckers have to say? I don't know. I'd have to click it now. Polixenes. Yeah. See, Kathleen is right. According sometimes. to the Google, you're doing it right. 30% of the time, Kathleen is right. <laughs> Proud of you. Those statistics <laughs> are brought to you by Kathleen. <laughs> so. Yes. So about this play. So this is one of Shakespeare's, uh, I believe it's one of his later plays. So this is after he had some practice, after he was like really drunk, um, he started writing this play. This is sometimes it's called a romance play, but I like to refer to this play as one of the problem plays. So there's this one. And then there's, uh, I believe, Two Gentlemen of Verona is a problem. Um, Merchant of Venice is sometimes considered a problem play. And those plays are the ones where it doesn't fit into, it's not a, actually Romeo and Juliet, I think is a problem play. Or maybe that is a romance. I mean, there's a lot of problems there. So (laughs) someday we will both be considered problem play. (laughs) (laughs) When they're Uh, writing about our lives. Yeah, they'll be like, well, sometimes it was a comedy. Sometimes it was a drama. We don't know. But yeah, a problem play is just it doesn't fit into one of the main categories of like it's not a comedy necessarily. It's not a tragedy necessarily. And it's definitely not a history. Although I do think it would be really funny to categorize this play as a history. Just be like, yeah, it was that time that like Italy and Germany were kind of mad at each other. (laughs) Which time? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. It's a problem. This whole play. I have seen this play uh, once live and I have read it for a class that I was in where I was really hoping to get a Perdita monologue and I didn't because I'm too short. <laughs> You're um, not tall enough. Yeah. So I got assigned. It was like a class where we got assigned a monologue and I got something I want to say from King Lear, which I do like King Lear more than this play. I'm going to watch the YouTube video on how to pronounce Perdita. Perdita. I need to know. I've been saying Perdita because I heard British, like the first time I heard anything about this play, it was British people on YouTube. Perdita. Perdita? Perdita. Perdita. Can you hear it? No. Perdita. Okay. I'm sending you the video. Wait, I guess that is Perdita. 
I don't know. I'm confused now. She's a princess. That's all you need to know. (laughs) (laughs) The Dalmatians aren't necessarily correct. I love the Dalmatians, though. There should be more Dalmatians. Yeah. But they are also inbred. But if they're cartoons, it doesn't matter. (laughs) We've reached the point of the podcast where it's like, yeah, but inbreeding is bad. I feel like this whole episode is just going to be us being slap happy because we're both tired and it's been a long day is off the rails. Oh my goodness. Okay. (laughs) Let's get into it. It, It's not as long as, um, even though it is one of his longer plays, it's not as long as Anna Karenidem. So we start in Sicily that's in like Italy or near Italy for everybody who, uh, failed geography in school. So we're in Sicily and Leonti, Leontes, Leontes, I'm going to say Leontes. That's okay. how I'm going to say it. He is the king of Sicily. And then Polixenes is his bro. Polixenes is the king of Bohemia. I do know that that is Southern Germany. Mm. Yes. So, or it was Southern Germany before Germany was a country. So, so the Rhapsody is from there. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's where the Rhapsody originated. Southern <laughs> Germany. And, and then it's it, bohemian. Exactly. So these two kings, they're bros. They're having a really good time hanging out in Sicily. And then Leontes is like, oh, my God. I oh wait. No, wait. Is it? Oh, yeah. No, it's Leontes. Leontes is the one from Sicily. Wait. No, <laughs> I'm wrong. Leontes no. is the king of Sicily and the childhood friend Polixenes, king of Bohemia. Okay, you could read it like that if you want to be like a scientist about it. But no. (laughs) I ran out of wine. I have nothing else to do but become a scientist. Polixenes is visiting the kingdom of Sicily. So they are in Sicily. I was right. Oh, okay. But Polixenes is from Bohemia. Okay. So they're in Sicily. It says they've been there for nine months. And Polixenes yearns to return to his own kingdom. But then Leontes is like, no, you have to stay longer. Like, you really have to stay, stay for dinner. And then Polixenes is like, no, no, I have to go. But then Leontes gets his wife, Hermione, who is innocent. Like she is the character who is known throughout like all of Shakespeare for being like the wronged wife. Like the, she's very innocent. Um, she is a, a very heroic character because she maintains her innocence all the time throughout this play. And so Leontes is like, hey, why don't you go try to convince Polixenes to stay here in Sicily? Or at least I think that's where they are. And <laughs> she, <laughs> I'm already drunk just from the Malort. Yeah. It took two sips and it's already to your brain. Two sips. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So she only has like three little monologues and she convinces him to stay. And then Leontes is like, oh, wait a minute. That's suspicious. Why did it only take her three little monologues to convince him to stay? As Hmm. if he, like, does not have any faith in his... Well, okay, that's the whole, like, crux of this play. He has no faith in his wife. And so he's like, but she's just a dumb woman. How could she convince him to stay when I couldn't? And so... And also, at the top of the show, I was wrong. It's not Polixenes who overreacts. It's Leontes. So you are the Leontes. I am the Leontes. I'm just now realizing that. Uh, so yeah, at least least you're self-aware. That's what matters. I know. Yeah. At least, at least like drunk Kathleen realizes 
uh, three hours in to the podcast. Um, so yeah, so I actually do know the plot of this because I saw it on stage. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm 30% sure. <laughs> so Leontes overreacts. That's what Kathleen does. I overreact. And Leontes is like, I, he thinks his wife is pregnant. Well, he knows his wife is pregnant, but he thinks that it is Polixenes' child just because she convinced him to stay faster than he did. <laughs> it's like if your wife is more convincing than you, she must be cheating. She must, must be. be cheating on you. Yeah. Is that what happened to the like Esther's Esther's predecessor? I have no idea. But story for a different day. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so Lee uh I want to say Leertes the entire time. Leontes. He overreacts and he's like, I got to convince uh, Lord Camillo to go kill, like poison and kill Polixenes. And he throws his wife in jail. I think, well, does he throw her in jail or does he just like, I don't know. She goes on trial. So I assume she gets thrown in jail for cheating on him. Uh, okay. But then Camillo is like, Camillo is a very conflicted character in this play. And he's like, oh my God, I don't want to poison Polixenes. What am I going to do? And so he uh, instead warns Polixenes and he's like, hey, Leontes is trying to kill you. I know you guys are best buds, but he thinks his wife is cheating with you and now he's going to murder you. Yeah, he thinks that like- He's not crazy. You and his wife <laughs> are having an affair and then she's pregnant with the result of your affair. So you got to go. Good luck. So Camillo and Polixenes, <laughs> they escape together. So now they're best friends. So uh, fuck Leontes for like, like he just gets fucked all the way around here. <laughs> then he's furious because his wife, Hermione, is still left in, I'm going to say Sicily. I don't know. That feels right. She's left in Sicily <laughs> with him. He declares that the child is a bastard. And then he also like cooks up this crazy plan to send these two guys. I'm not even going to worry about their names. Uh, Cleomenes and Dion. Dion. I like how you said you're not even going to worry about their names. And then you're like, but let me give it a shot. <laughs> well, okay. Cleomenes. That's really tripping me up there. I'm just going to say it's Dion just to make it easier. D-I-O-N. Dion. I don't know. That'd be sounds... Dion, but Dion doesn't Dion? roll off your tongue as much as like Dion. Dion. I like it. And D-I-O-R is Dior, so Dion makes sense to That's me. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Using context clues of things that existed hundreds of English years after major. Shakespeare. Yeah. Always helpful. <laughs> yes. Uh, so Cleo yeah. and Dior. That's how I got a C. <laughs> <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So Cleo and Dior, they go like... Leontes sends them to the Oracle of Delphos, which is the Delphi Oracle for everyone else who <laughs> like, wait, we know this from like Greek mythology, right? The Delphi Oracle. But here in the Wikipedia page, we? it says, I, well, we don't, Christian, we don't, but some <laughs> but people someone might. does. Someone, if, if you know about the Oracle at Delphi, email us at two English majors walk into a bar. We tell might us, check it. Tell us all about it. So he sends them to the Oracle and he's like, you got to figure out if my wife is cheating on me. And you know that like these poor little like minions are just like, oh, my God, I did not sign up for this. I did not want to go to Delphi today. This is going to eat up my whole afternoon. People so in Indiana say that all the time. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. There is a <laughs> Delphi, Indiana for everyone not from Indiana. It does so exist. 
it does exist. That's where they went. They left Sicily or Bohemia or wherever they are. And they went all the way to Indiana. (laughs) And so they go all the way there. And in the meanwhile, the queen, Hermione, she gives birth to a baby girl. And Leontes is like, no, this is not my baby. There's no way. And then Polina, as we know from Chicago, she's like she and her husband, I think they're like best friends with Hermione and Leontes. I think they're swingers. I just made that up. Um, They probably are given the. I yeah, I would love to see that production. Um, So (laughs) Polina and then get ready for another crazy name. Antigonus, her husband. Antigonus. Yeah. Antigonus. Lord Antigonus. They're like, hey, we've got a good idea. Let's take the baby to Leontes and be like, look at it. Just like look at it a little bit and see if it's yours. <laughs> and he looks at it. You for sure know. And so he gets pissed off because they bring him this baby to look at. And he's like, he orders Antigonus to go abandon it in the forest and leave it for dead. That's extreme. He overreacts. I'm not going to say Kathleen. Kathleen has never overreacted in a way that killed a baby or anyone. (laughs) But it's not out of the realm of possibility. But it's not out of the realm of possibility. (laughs) This is why Kathleen will not be a parent. But just as uh, just as Leontes sends Antigonus out into the woods with this baby, Cleo and Dior come back and they're like, hey, (laughs) no, it's Dior now. In my production, (laughs) it's Dior. Okay, that's fair. So they get back. And they're like, hey, so we talked to the Oracle at Delphos or Delphi. We don't know what it's called. We just ended up in Indiana. It was terrible. <laughs> and the worst. I say yeah. as I'm moving back. <laughs> Yuck. Indiana. Yikes. Uh, let us know what the Oracle says. So they get back and they as they get back, Hermione is on trial. And this is a huge scene in the play. And she delivers this like mic drop of a monologue at her trial to defend her innocence. And it's like one of the most beautiful soliloquies in all of Shakespeare's canon. Uh, Extremely powerful. Highly recommend you get drunk or high and go read that. Um, It's best- (laughs) If you can do that while drunk or high. It's best when drunk, trust me. So she's on trial. They get back and they're like, actually, the Oracle said that she's innocent and the baby was yours. You are the father, Leontes. And he refuses to listen. Such and he's like, well, the- yeah, he was like, well, the Oracle is wrong. The DNA is wrong. <laughs> and Leontes, uh, it says, oh, and they also from the Oracle, they bring back a message that says Leontes will have no heir until his lost daughter the little baby is found. And then Leontes, yet again, he overreacts. He refuses to believe them. And as he does, like this happens like boom, 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 like in the play. His son, who like who even knew they had an older son? <laughs> he doesn't have an heir until this baby shows up, but he already has a son who he is already the oldest. Has a son. And the son literally walks on stage. And I guess he's like, like a toddler. Hey. And yeah, and his name is Mamilius. Yet again, way too complicated. Mamilius walks on stage, gets a wasting sickness, and dies in like 30 seconds. Oh my God. He's like, like introduction and ending. <laughs> I want to see a production where he's perfectly healthy walking on stage and then like 
like you know midway like center stage he starts to like <laughs> just slows down really- and then eventually he just falls over dies by the time he gets to like stage left <laughs> and they're like will someone please clean up this toddler corpse oh my god like jesus christ <laughs> bring out your dead oh my god so then hermione now you need to produce this show i do need to produce this show this needs to happen <laughs> hermione so she's so upset because she was found guilty by like only her husband not by the the delphi oracle or anybody else just her husband still thinks she's guilty, so she swoons and is carried away and believed to also be dead. He kills everyone in his family in, like, two seconds. Right. Nobody gets stabbed. Nobody gets... I guess they didn't have guns, but, like, nobody gets shot. Nobody gets stabbed. Nobody gets strangled. All the good ways that Shakespeare has killed people. These ones in, die from trauma. Yeah. In this play, <laughs> they just die from Leontes overreacting. <laughs> and causing them mental trauma. <laughs> you ever hear of mental anguish killing people? Actually, yes. 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 <laughs> there was this one fucker named Leontes who killed his whole family in like 45 seconds. <laughs> Doesn't take too long. It'll get yeah. you. So uh Paulina is the one who like carries Hermione off after she faints. So that's gonna be important later. Okay. And then she reports that she died of a broken heart, but can we trust her? And then Leontes vows to spend the rest of his days atoning for the loss of his son, his abandoned daughter, and the loss of his queen. So it's like a Christmas carol, but he kills everyone first instead of the ghosts. Exactly. That's where we are right now. So this play looks like it's going to be a tragedy. It really looks like it's going to be a tragedy. That's how it's set up in the beginning. And I just want but a bunch of then. But then, yes. But <laughs> I just want a bunch of actors to be in a room and I want to see them all fight to the death about whether this is a comedy or a tragedy. <laughs> so anyway, so Antigonus, remember that guy? He was married to Polina. Okay, he... I did not know, but that's fine. <laughs> we talked about this. Keeping before. up. I'm keeping up. So Antigonus, he's the one that was supposed to take the baby out in the woods and abandon it. And he tries to do that. And it's on. Okay, this is controversial because I don't I think Shakespeare also might have failed geography like we did because he says Mm -hmm. and they talk about this later in the Wikipedia page. He says that it was like on the coast of Bohemia, but I don't think like Sicily and Bohemia border each other or like I don't think there's like a sea between them the way Shakespeare thought there was. But Mm. it's okay. It's okay, Shakespeare. He tried. Yeah, he did his best. Yeah, he did a lot of other things very well. Seas Geography was his forte. Yeah. Seas get degrees, William. It's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so he ab- abandons the baby on like the border or the coast of Bohemia. So guess where she's going to end up? Over in Bohemia. And that's where <gasps> Polixenes is. And he's the king of Bohemia. Mm, but not the remember- baby daddy. Not the baby daddy. He was not the dad. And so you are not the father. I, know, I love how I just want to see. I'm sure there has to be a version out there where the Oracle of Delphi is Judge like, Judy is Maury, who's like, <laughs> you are not the father. Even better. Yeah. And like, also, he thinks that like he hears Hermione talking to him or like the ghost of Hermione. And she wants him to name the baby Perdita or Perdita. And he wraps the baby in a bundle. He leaves a bunch of gold with the baby. And then we get the most beautiful stage direction that Shakespeare ever gave us. Do you know what it is, Christian? End Stop. scene. What? 
I have no idea. It is <laughs> this the actual stage direction is exit pursued by bear. <laughs> so in That's the middle wonderful. in the middle of him abandoning this baby, he like puts it on the ground and he's like, I'm gonna leave some gold with it. So maybe like somebody will find this baby and raise it and like think that it's noble, which it is noble. She, she is a princess. And he's like, well, hope the best for you, little baby. <laughs> and then a bear shows up and presumably kills Antigonus. We don't see him for the rest of the play. So he's done after this. He exits pursued by bear. Shakespeare did not need to write a bear <laughs> into his show at all. But this is the most creative way to kill people. It Heartbreak, have, it wasting, simply wasting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it could have simply been him like abandoning the baby in the countryside and being like, "Well, it's getting dark out. Goodbye. I better go back to Sicily." <laughs> but no, never to be heard from again. He exits pursued by bear. I think he, people people needed to know that he died a violent death. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> but yes, luckily for Perdita, the bear was not hungry for babies. And she was found by a shepherd and his son, who is known as the clown. Interesting. This is Kathleen. Okay. Yes. (laughs) So then, okay, so that's the whole first, that's the first three acts of the show. Okay. Typically, this is where intermission would fall. Now, when Shakespeare's, like, audience was watching this, I don't think there was, like, a, a standard intermission at all, like we have now. I think there were, like, breaks between each act there there's always five acts in all of Shakespeare's plays so in modern times this is where we put intermission and this is the only one of Shakespeare's plays where he is like interested or like really really deeply interested in the concept of time and how it's used as a dramatic device and this is really exciting for all of the like Shakespeare nerds out there but usually well, always, except for in this play, his plays take place over like a 24 hour period or like a, you know, a few days or like maybe a week. Like uh, I think Taming of the Shrew is like a few weeks. It's a short amount of time and there's no big chunk of time that passes. In this play, we have a whole scene right here at the break where a character called Time, the character's name is Time, enters and announces the passage of 16 years. <laughs> And like Shakespeare I need that like, role. I could do that. Exactly. Time. Exactly. It's a cool, like every time I've seen this play, it's just, it's the most visually stunning and beautiful transition. Like at the Goodman, when I saw it, they had, which the Goodman is problematic for all kinds of reasons, but uh, they had like rose petals falling from the ceiling. And it was just like, you were blinded by rose petals. It was a curtain oh, cool. of rose petals. It was so cool. And it's just, it has to be a very dramatic visual shift on stage. And the only thing that I can kind of compare it to that blew people's minds as much is like when The Wizard of Oz first came out and Dorothy goes from like the sepia colored, like Kansas. Oh, to color. To Oz. And it's like all in color. And like that just like blew people's minds. That's, That's what awesome. this is. That's what this transition is. People were like shitting their pants watching this for the first time i mean they were probably shitting their pants because like you couldn't drink water because it would give you dysentery but like <laughs> they, but, you know they were also shitting their pants with like awe uh yeah. at, at this transition 
<laughs> so we're in Bohemia now. And typically n- now in modern times when this play is performed, like Cecily is kind of like this um, kind of like buttoned up, uh, like, I don't know. It's like the succession of like, the, <laughs> it's like the show succession. Like it's a very buttoned up, like corporate kind of feeling. And then Bohemia is like the hippies. And I they're mean, like, sense. Yeah, they're the ones that are like funny and silly and everything. So now this play is turning into a comedy Mm. and the audience is super confused. Uh, So Camillo is still best friends with Polixenes. Polixenes is the king of Bohemia. So Polixenes, he refuses. um, Oh, wait, hang on. It says, yeah, Camillo now works for Polixenes and he begs the Bohemian king to allow him to return to Sicilia or Sicily or whatever it is, Italy. And then Polixenes is like, no, don't you remember that guy tried to kill me there? Um, and then I I don't know. I guess Camillo is like, whatever, you're right. I guess I'll stay. And Polixenes has a son. <laughs> I got nothing better to do. Yeah. I guess I was like, oh my God, I can't believe that one time we almost died there. Shit, dude. Like, I guess I will stay. Um <laughs> it's chill. It's cool. It's, it's yeah. Fine. Yeah. So now Polixenes is like, my son, Florizel. Talk about Florizel. Florizel. Talk about a name for a young prince. This reminds Yikes. me of what? <laughs> Yikes. It's a terrible name. This re- why if he do- weren't a prince, he'd be made fun of. <laughs> why does Florizel to me remind me of what's the prince's name in Thumbelina? I don't know. Let's find out. Keep going. I'll Google. Okay. So Florizel, also known uh from Thumbelina fame, <laughs> he has <laughs> fallen in love with his name is Cornelius. Oh. <laughs> Prince Cornelius. <laughs> now known as Prince Florizel. <laughs> okay. Florizel, also known as Cornelius, he's fallen in love with this shepherd girl who somehow has a shit ton of money named Perdita. So Perdita. Perdita. Yes. Uh, he's fallen in love with a Dalmatian named Perdita. <laughs> Perdita was the owner, wasn't it? I don't know. Or was oh, she was the, the owner. Wait, I thought her name no, was no. Annie. No, eh, whatever. The Dalmatian. No, it's like, mm, what's the boy Dalmatian name? Pongo and Perdita. You're right. Perdita yes. is the the mom Dalmatian. Yes. <laughs> that see, I knew of. I knew famous couple the Dalmatians. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so Florizel and Perdita, they are in love. But she's like a lowly shepherdess and he is a prince. And they're going to go to this feast. It's a sheep shearing feast. Very 4-H of them. Honestly, very 4-H of them to go to the sheep shearing (laughs) festival. Basically what a 4-H fairy is. Exactly. Exactly. And so like Polixenes, he's just a little trickster. He's like, Camillo, oh my God, we should disguise ourselves as like people, I don't know, like peasants at the sheep shearing festival. And I guess they're just going to go, like, watch them get in gay. So, like, cool, I guess. And the sheep sharing festival is obviously hosted by the shepherd, who is Perdita's adopted father. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So he's the one that he found. Basically, he found a baby with a bag of gold. And he was like, hell, (laughs) gold for me. (laughs) Yeah, gold for me. And then there's a peddler named Autoc... Wait, no. Auto... Autoculus? I like autolycus. Autolycus. There we go. Oh my God. I'm taking a drink after that. I I ran out of wine. Hang on. I'm going to get more wine. I can't keep up with this drinking. 
I'm back with more wine. Now I can drink every time we get a name wrong, which I, I'm definitely helping with this drinking game this time around, you know. Autolycus, whoever that is, <laughs> he's a peddler. He picks the pocket of the young shepherd and he wears like various disguises. He entertains the guests with body songs. This is me. He entertains the guests <laughs> with body songs. Do you pick pockets? I could. You have tiny hands. I do. I have tiny hands. <laughs> I can just Watch get, your wallets at our live shows. Just sneak right into those little pockets with my tiny hands. Um, <laughs> and so, like, he, he, I don't know, he gets trinkets. I just love the word trinkets. He gets a bunch of trinkets. He tries to sell them. Polixenes and Camilla watch, and they're disguised as Florizel under the guise of a shepherd named Doricles. <laughs> Doricles. Doricles. I'm like looking for it. It has now. to be Doricles. Where do you see Doricles? Uh, it says uh, Polixenes and Camilla watch disguised as Florizel under the guise of a shepherd named Doricles and Perdita are betrothed. So they they're basically they're getting engaged at a sheep fearing a sheep fearing <laughs> a sheep shearing festival, and p- then Polixenes oh, tears off his disguise and intervenes. That's a dick move. They're trying to get engaged and he intervenes and then he threatens the old shepherd and Perdita with torture and death and he orders his son never to see the shepherd's daughter again, which we know in all comedies. It works out so well. Yeah, that works out so well for every parent who didn't want their kid to date who they wanted to date. So then Camillo still longing for he wants to go back to Cecilia. He schemes to send Florizel and Perdita to Sicily to go get married so that Polixenes won't find out. And But he knows, he's like, hey, you guys really want to get married? You should go elope in Sicily. Your dad will never find so out. Fun. It'll be totally fine. And like at this point in the play, I mean, the Oracle told us that Polixenes was not the father. But like, what if he is? Mm, and the that Oracle lied. That means they're half siblings gross yikes uh but don't worry guys this is not tis pity she's a whore we will get to that one eventually give me time um (laughs) but yeah i i think that's why we separated into two episodes exactly exactly uh i think it's safe to say they're not half siblings but like they could be but he's really mad and actually camillo is playing this to his advantage because he knows that Polixenes will follow them to Mm. Sicily. And that means that Camilla will get to go back to his homeland, Sicily and be happy. So he plays that to his advantage. Good for Camilla. The lovers take the first ship out to Sicily. And as it says, as do two shepherds and a talk, Autolycus, Autolycus, that has to be it. Autolycus. And Autolycus is the one that sings a naughty song. Cheers. Cheers, everybody. (laughs) So, we're back in Sicily. We're back in the succession world. I feel Let- like that's one thing I have a hard time keeping up with in Shakespeare half the time is where are we? I don't know. Does it matter? Probably not. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. Some I think it might, but you know. It's hard. I mean, most of the time they're in England. That's true. But like the other half of the time they're somewhere they're in not. like Rome. <laughs> We're back in Sicily. Leontes is, he's still in mourning after 16 years for his- That's intense. Well, okay, he gets what he deserves. This is what you get for overreacting. I'm saying this to myself. <laughs> I'm talking to myself. Learn from his example. Yes, we must learn from Leontes' example. So he's still got Cleo and Dior with him. And 
they plead with him to end his time of repentance because the kingdom needs an heir. I just see Dior as this really like gaudy, like, you know, his clothes are just really intense. And now that we've renamed him, he has a whole different character, like bright colors, lots of sparkles. Yeah. And he just has very, when he says his lines, no matter how minor, they're really overplayed and great. Exactly. Highlight of the, the play. So, yeah. So they're like, or they're telling Leontes, they're like, dude, you have to like get to fucking like, please fuck someone. We need an heir. And then Polina, who I don't know why she's still around, honestly, as of right now, Leontes killed her like BFF, Hermione, and she's just still so hanging out. She, she actually, I should do a Polina monologue someday because she has some like bomb ass monologues in this play. Uh, and she's like super smart and like super, she, she's kind of, I don't know, like Shakespeare, shockingly, so ahead of his time has these characters occasionally where they just come out and they're like uh, looking at everybody around them saying, why don't any of you have any empathy? Like Hmm. what, what is wrong with the world that people simply cannot have empathy and compassion? And I think that's so like beautiful and powerful, especially like thinking of the world that, you know, this play Mm -hmm. was first written in and is still performed. We still need to keep hearing that. Yeah. Um, So yeah. Exactly. Unfortunately. But yeah, great character. Super cool. She convinces uh, Leontes to remain unmarried forever since no woman can match the greatness of his lost Hermione. (laughs) (laughs) His lost. He acts like something tragic happened to her and it wasn't his fault. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Dude, you did it. You did it. You overreacted and you Uh, accidentally killed her son, which killed her (laughs) in like 45 seconds. So then these two like horny teenagers, Florizel and Perdita, show up. And it says they are greeted effusely by Leonti. I don't know what effusely means. I'm not going to Google it, but I think it. I think it means like <laughs> like th- he was happy to see them. I think. And Florizel pretends to be on a diplomatic mission from his father, Polixenes. <laughs> Good cover. Good cover. And well, no, his cover. It says in the um. In the Wikipedia page, it says his cover is blown when Polixenes and Camillo, too, arrive in Sicily. Oh, no. <laughs> Bad cover. Bad. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, hi, everybody. I'm the Prince of Bohemia. My name is Florizel slash Cornelia. <laughs> oh, no. My dad's here. <laughs> what if, like, can you imagine? Hello. My name is Florizel Cornelius. I am the son of Polixenes here on a diplomatic mission to get married to this hot chick. And then his dad shows up and he's like, she's still hot. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. He's like, okay, it was a little bit less of a diplomatic mission and a little bit more of an elopement. Like, look at her. But yeah. He's like, but she's hot. Like, we can all agree she's all hot, right? All you need right? to know. Yeah. <laughs> so Polixene shows up and then we have, it says, a meeting and reconciliation of the kings and princes is reported by gentlemen of the Sicilian court. Wait, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I I don't I lost you. Where are you at? What you I mean, say? like the last paragraph. It says <laughs> the meeting and reconciliation of the kings and princes is reported by gentlemen of the Sicil- of the Sicilian court. How the old shepherd raised Perdita, how Antigonus met his end, how Leontes was overjoyed. Oh wait, 
It's just listing all the things that happen at the end. Okay. So basically <laughs> there's a meeting to explain yes. all of the things. So everyone's on the same page and you don't forget any parts of the story. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So everybody meets each other and everybody is like, oh my God, like Polixenes and Leontes are like friends again. And Leontes, it says he's overjoyed to be reunited with his daughter. So now he's like, oh my God, my long lost daughter. And then he begs Polixenes for forgiveness. Yeah. We're laughing. <laughs> no, I'm just saying like, whatever. Yeah, immediately yeah. she just shows up and he's like, <laughs> Maury, he's like, you know, this is. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh my God, my long lost daughter. Uh, so all this unfolds very quickly, just how everybody died very quickly on stage. Yeah. And the old shepherd, the one just in who, a meeting. Yeah. There's like the old shepherd and the young shepherd. And they're the ones who like raised, um, well, the old shepherd raised Perdita, the Dalmatian. Yeah. And also in our version, Christian, she has to wear a Dalmatian. Yes. I think that that is fair. She is yeah. actually a dog. She is a dog. That's um, why he doesn't accept her as his child. No, in the scene where Polina brings out the baby instead of a human baby, it's a puppy. <laughs> it's a puppy. Be like, look at it. It's yours. And he's like, we're not. He's like, what the fuck is this? We're not the same species. <laughs> that is not my child. Yes, it is. It's our fur baby. And the whole play is just like a a thesis on how like fur babies are real babies. If yep. you're a dog mom, you're a real mom. <laughs> we haven't even gotten to the most absurd part. <laughs> so everybody is reuniting. Everybody's really happy. The old shepherd, the young shepherd, they're made into like gentlemen in the court and everybody's happy. Um, and then Atoculus, Atolicus. Oh my god, I can't. Drink. Drink. Everybody drink. Let's call him Mr. A. Mr. A. <laughs> Mr. A, who asks every uh he asks all the people for forgiveness for his roguery, which like He's nobody like, stole your wallet, but please don't think about that now. Right. Everybody's <laughs> we're doing the whole forgiveness thing right now. Yeah, so y'all um... are suddenly lords. Like, um, <laughs> I have $2 left of the cash that I took. Please <laughs> accept this and my humble apology. Live your life in a way that you have to apologize for your roguery. Um, <laughs> it's the only way to live life. Uh, so then they all go to Polina's house. I don't think she invited them. They just all go there and they see, okay, this is Christian. This is where it just gets really out of hand. They see a statue of Hermione. That's like, it says, it says it's been recently finished. What does that mean? How do you look at a statue and you're like, mm, that one's been recently finished. <laughs> That's fresh. <laughs> it's a fresh statue. The paint's right still wet? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how you know that. But the sight of his wife makes Leontes distraught. But then, to everyone's amazement, the statue shows signs of vitality. It is Hermione, miraculously restored to life <laughs> or simply having been living with Polina for 16 years. She just looked like a friend. <laughs> she looked like a fresh statue. She was so convincing. She's like one of those like uh, performance artists in Times Square. And you're like, oh shit, that's alive. Exactly. <laughs> and every time I've seen this played, it's always been a little weird. It's you know, I think that she should be like coated in gold in our, in our performance. A lot of times she is. A lot of times that's how it's actually played on stage is that she like has some sort of like makeup or costume. She's like, I'm a statue. Psych. <laughs> yeah. But like Shakespeare, 
why? <laughs> this is why? a weird play. Couldn't because she... he had far too much wine when he wrote this. That's he why. He did. He was <laughs> so drunk when he wrote this. Like, could it not have just been that they go to Polina's house and discover Hermione there? No, she has to be a fake statue. <laughs> fake statue. A very convincing fake statue. But, but, like, I don't know how she would have, like, known how Leontes would react. But in the script, it is, like, a whole thing of, like, how, like, she faked being a statue. Like, she doesn't say this, but it's implied that she fakes being a statue so she can see him, like, become all, like, distraught at seeing her image (laughs) and sad and then she comes to life and then she's like no it's me i like how their child is like secondary in this entire like right thing it's like uh, like if they actually had known she didn't die they probably would have used her as a pawn to get back at each other <laughs> right exactly these, these are two nightmares <laughs> yeah these are two very um uh, it's a very toxic relationship between mm-hmm. these two people. Uh, so she wants to watch him grovel a little bit before she reveals herself as a living human and not a statue. Not a statue. And then it says, as the play ends, Perdita and Florizel are engaged, finally, and the whole company celebrates the miracle. Despite this happy ending, typical of Shakespeare's comedies and romances, the impression of the unjust death of young Mamilius lingers to the end, being an element of unredeemed tragedy in addition mm-hmm. to the years wasted in separation. So there's like a twinge of like sadness at the end of what might be a comedy. I yeah. think it's I think it's much more of a comedy than it is a drama. Yeah, I feel like it's super outrageous. There's no way it's meant to be serious. Right. Oh, girl, girl. It was probably hilariously played. There is a whole ass portion of the wikipedia page where wikipedia was just like <laughs> we're immature there's a whole little paragraph in here <laughs> about dildos in this play interesting that's right was that your favorite part of the wikipedia page it was yeah that makes how did sense. you guess how did you- <laughs> i know you yes uh, so like there's just a bunch of uh dildo imagery with like the fool and autolycus or whatever the hell his name is um, it says one comedic moment in the play deals with a servant not realizing that poetry featuring references to dildos is vulgar, presumably from not knowing what the word means. Yeah, then this was definitely a comedy. Exactly. Pursued comedy. by bear. Pursued yeah. by bear. <laughs> Time is its own character. Time is a character. 16 years later. So yeah. I love this play. It's I would say it's probably okay. So if we if we consider Shakespeare to have written uh, thirty eight plays, so we're being generous with the apocryphal plays. I would consider this in like my top fifteen, but probably okay. not my top ten. I don't know. It's a very smart play with brilliant female characters, but I just I don't know. It might be in my top ten. It might. It might just because of like overreacting. I don't think this one is one I've ever actually like read or seen. You know, it doesn't get outside of like the acting community. It doesn't get enough love, I think. Yeah. Because it's very dense. Yeah. It's hard to read in a high school or college setting just because there's so much going on. It's very dense. There's like two different worlds Mm -hmm. there because there's Bohemia and there's uh, Cecilia. Yeah. I feel like this is definitely not a high school book, but like, you know. Yeah. And. You know, it's one of those, like, I think King Lear is kind of one of those where 
although King Lear is more accessible because it deals so much with like the parent child relationship. Yeah. And I feel like I've seen that one played pretty consistently. So um, it says, let's see, adaptations. What's the most famous adaptation that we've got on here? Okay. We've got silent film. We've got like BBC. We've got ballet. We've got. I feel like I watched a BBC one at some point. I mean, probably like looking at these adaptations, there's nothing here that stands out to me. Mm -mm. It's a hard play to adapt. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, it's very clearly a lesson play, yeah. but it's hard to like put this on film or like, I don't know. I think it's hard to put this on stage. Yeah. It's, it's a, there, there's a note here on the language talking about like debate. Debate yeah. is a huge thing in this play, how characters debate each other. Mm -hmm. um, it says uh, regarding the statue, uh, while <laughs> the language. Try to fight the statue? <laughs> you could argue with the statue. You're not my wife. <laughs> That's You're not, not my, my real mom. Yes. It says, while the language Polina uses in the final scene evokes the sense of a magical ritual through which Hermione is brought back to life, there are several passages which suggest a far likelier case that Polina hid Hermione in a remote location to protect her from Leontes, or to protect her from Leontes' wrath, and that the reanimation of Hermione does not derive from any magic. Hmm. Which, honestly, Shakespeare would have been, like, in trouble if, like, honestly, Shakespeare could get away with, like, you know, the witches in uh, Macbeth because it's like, oh, it's on stage. It's not, like, serious. It's all pretend. It's on stage. <laughs> you know, like, Shakespeare could really dance very close to the fire with this type of stuff because, like, we got to keep in the back of our minds. People are being executed. Yeah legitimately executed in Shakespeare's time for being accused of witchcraft and doing magic. <laughs> and Shakespeare, as an artist, gets to portray it on stage and be like, ah, we're just making fun of you guys. Like, wow. It's intense. Wow. And also, let's just take a moment here with like a dad who is refusing to believe that his daughter is his and then essentially killing the mother of that daughter like out of spite refusing to believe that the daughter was his and accusing the mother of adultery what does that sound like reality no <laughs> okay like who, i know you're making a specific historic reference but i kind of just wanted to throw it off so who who is she okay like this this was one of like the later plays i think maybe not but even if we put this play like in the middle of Shakespeare's career, who is watching this play? Who's he like performing it for? The royalty of the who time. Who is that? I don't know. Yes, you do. She has red <laughs> I hair. wish that people could see her face right now. There's I only there's only two of them. One recently died. Queen Elizabeth. And who was the first one? Queen well, Elizabeth the first. <laughs> yes. And who was her mom? <laughs> I don't actually know what her mom's name is. I know what you're talking about, but I can't remember. And her dad name. was Henry VIII, and he killed her mom, Anne Boleyn, because he Anne thought Boleyn. she uh. was having an affair, and he refused to, like, legitimize his daughter, even yeah. though she obviously looked like him with the red hair. And then she ascends to the throne, like, despite all the odds— and is very obviously the offspring of her father. And then, like, she becomes, like, the greatest queen that England has ever seen. 
And yes, we all know this history except for Christian, who is sitting there like, "What the fuck?" So are you talking I know about? most of this history. I feel like my I got my COVID vaccine today, so my brain is kind of mush. But also, your reaction was worth it. Kathleen's <laughs> 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 over here horrified. <laughs> after we've spent an hour talking about how I overreacted. <laughs> Case in point. Exactly. <laughs> So yes, it's it's kind of like a little bit of a mind fuck that I think there's a little bit here on the Wikipedia page about like the sources for this play and possibly like Anne Boleyn being one of the sources for Hermione and mm-hmm. and like the, we have this whole trial scene of Hermione and how she gets put on trial and it's very obvious to everyone except for this little bitch Leontes. <laughs> who just wants to be like convinced that his wife was cheating on him because he's deeply insecure. Yep. And then like his wife dies because of like trauma. But then she's not dead. Really dramatic people in this play. You can't pronounce any of their names except for like one person who is just known as Clown. That's um, easy. Yeah. I love that Atollicus, Mr. Mr. A, a. Mr. A is described as a roguish peddler, vagabond and pickpocket. That's great. I want to play this. The Vagabond and Pickpocket? Yes. I have tiny hands. You're like, I can do it. What if I just, what if I walk into the audition room and I'm just like, no, I didn't prepare a monologue for today. I have tiny <laughs> But I've stole your wallet. <laughs> yes. Actually, <laughs> you would have to be cast. <laughs> you you would. would have to get cast if you're like, I didn't prepare an audition for today, but I did steal your wallet. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm prepared to play this role right now. Mm -hmm. So that's the winner's tale. Congratulations, Shakespeare. You did it again. Wow. Yeah. It's great. I'm proud of him. Yeah. But yeah, and I highly encourage everybody to go and look up. They're far and few between, but I think there are some good uh, like tape uh, or not taping. YouTube it. Yeah. YouTubes. There's YouTubes out there of this. I highly encourage that. I was thinking about that the other day in the shower. And I was like, you know what? I can't believe nobody told me about like how easily accessible it is to find performances on YouTube of Shakespeare plays and how cool they are. And like, if you're stuck reading Shakespeare and you feel like you don't like it and you don't get anything out of it, like go watch a video. It's not cheating. Even if Mm -hmm. it is cheating, like cheat your way through that class, bitch. (laughs) C's get degrees. Shakespeare. Exactly. Shakespeare thought that Bohemia bordered Italy. And look at where he went in life. Exactly. Exactly. He mm-hmm. died rich. Mm-hmm. So. You can do it too. Yeah, you can do it too. <laughs> well, all right, Christian. We're all temporarily impoverished millionaires. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Let's close us out one final time with this play. Uh, your pop quiz question is, what is verbatim? Has to be verbatim because it's that good. What is Shakespeare's greatest stage direction? Exit pursued by bear. Yes. <laughs> I should have just asked you to pronounce everybody's names. <laughs> like it's an. I would open, have tried. It's an open book <laughs> test, but you might still struggle. <laughs> <laughs> it's like my Shakespeare class in college all over again. <laughs> yes. Well, this this is the end of the winter's tale but we we will be back at the end of the month so this will come out in early january and then 
Uh, we haven't even set dates yet. Like, I don't know. I might get this done by like this weekend. I'm going to work on it this weekend and I'll get it out. And then we'll yeah. get a feel for like where we need to uh, put the episodes out. So this will be early January. And then we'll be back in late January for Christian to tell us a saucy little story. Ooh, I feel like we could do like the 15th and the 30th or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Those, lines. those are the days I get paid. So like. Exactly. So are- then we'll remember. <laughs> those are the best <laughs> days of the month. Exactly. Now they're even better. Yes. You yes. Paid you paid and. And you get a podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it sounds yes. good. Hell yeah. Well, thank you for listening to our ridiculous bullshit. Come we back for the next episode. Yes. We love you all. English Majors Walk Into a Bar is produced by Kathleen Brumbach and Christian Lutz. Cover art by Bobby Lutz and sound design by Matt Fletcher.